Welcome once again, listeners. Before we get into our main show and speak to Shannon, I would like to talk to you a bit about some news going on here with the show. Uh, One of which is you may notice that the show is coming out a little less frequently than usual, maybe twice a month rather than once every week. And the reason for that is I have picked up another podcast as well uh, for the site Hold the Line. You may recall me speaking to them and speaking about them kind of throughout the years here. And I really enjoy the community. I have picked up a podcast called the HTL Podcast and doing more general gaming topics, like things that are community interest, things like, oh, well, how is DRM going to affect you if you have used games and you'd like to turn them in? How's the best uh, place or what is the best place to go to? How's the best way to get the most money for your game? Things about region lock. Things of tech that might be of interest to you, certain um, security issues with Skype or with other gaming platforms, just more general info, I guess, about gaming and less about specific developers. So if you are into the gaming scene or part of a community in any way, I suggest that you listen to this show, which you can find on iTunes under HTL. You can also go to holdtheline.com where you can find it in the media section. And as usual, I am still streaming at 10.30. I think it's moving actually to 9 o'clock Eastern Time on Fridays, the Death Before Dishonor podcast, which is for Dungeons & Dragons. If you enjoy the game of Dungeons & Dragons, or if you don't know anything about it, it's still a funny story. It really doesn't have a lot of strict rules enforced for Dungeons & Dragons. So anybody who kind of likes role-playing games or just likes a good story and a good laugh could really listen to that and enjoy themselves, I think. And some news as well about this show, the Gray Area Podcast. Hope you have been enjoying the last few episodes. And this is now, I believe, my second year for the show. We have hit episode 100. I'm very excited about that. And because the the show is slowing down and I've only been doing an episode kind of as time allows, you know, like I said, probably twice a month, I am going to be kickstarting the show. I'm getting to the point where uh, I enjoy doing the show, I enjoy talking to developers and being part of the community, but I'm really not getting a lot of feedback from anybody who's listening. The numbers are good, my SEO is fine, I know that you're out there listening to the show. I don't really push the donation aspect because I just feel funny about it. Um, I'm hoping that those who like the show will you know, look at the website where it clearly marks areas for you to do so. I don't say it a whole lot on the podcast. I just feel uncomfortable, I guess, asking for donations um, and haven't really gotten any in the last year. So in order for me to maintain the site and to really put effort into the show, I feel like I need to take it to a place where I can make at least a little bit of money on it. I need a little bit of money for travel. I'm going to a lot of conventions. I'm covering a lot of things. I'm putting many, many hours into the show. And I feel like I need and deserve a little bit of something back for that. So instead of bugging you guys every single week and saying, hey, hey, donate to the show, I'm going to do a Kickstarter for it. So in the next two months, you will see a Kickstarter come up. And I will, of course, tell you when that happens. And I'm hoping that people will be interested in seeing the show continue, seeing, you know, hopefully going back to once a week episodes and, you know, some more convention coverage, some better equipment, Uh, mostly right now it's my keyboard which is quite loud you don't hear it as much during this show but it happens during others hotels and conventions and travel 
are quite pricey. The actual maintaining of the Genesee.com site is also kind of pricey. And taking time each week to make posts up there so you can see, you know, what episodes out, tweeting, all that stuff just takes time. And I, I kind of feel like I should be reimbursed for that. So as much as I've enjoyed doing this for the last two years, uh, free for everybody, I really need some return. Um, so you will see a Kickstarter go up in the next couple months. Hopefully people will support the show and kind of give me that boost to let me know that you really like it enough for me to continue to put my time into it. So if you do, uh, please feel free to email me, jonasegray at yahoo.com. Haven't received one from anyone, so I would love to have one saying whatever you want. Um, and reviews always welcome on iTunes. Obviously, donations on Genesee.com welcome as well. But hopefully, you will support the Kickstarter when it comes out and tell your friends and pass it on and things like that because I really do think it's a unique show. I think it has a unique perspective you don't see a lot where you do have developers talking about their own personal lives. So obviously, if you're listening to it, you like it, at least enough to listen. So uh, anyway, look for that, and I hope you will begin to think about supporting that. And now we're going to get to Shannon. She's going to tell you some more about Kickstarters. And this is kind of where my interest began to peak, looking at Kickstarter a lot. I've supported a couple projects lately, which are really cool. And I love the platform itself. Um, there's an author I like called Patrick Rothfuss. He writes a book called In the Name of the Wind, a really excellent series. Um, and he's put out some playing cards, or he has kickstarted some playing cards for that series. And they're just beautifully drawn playing cards, kind of reflect the characters of that series, which I've supported. I've also supported the Dice Rings project. So if you want to roll dice, you can use a ring on your finger to do so instead of actual dice to carry around with you if you're into that sort of thing. And there's another game coming out soon, which I've also supported, and I'll tell you more about that. Hopefully I'll have the developers on. I'm going to remain a secret for that part. So here we go with Shannon, and she'll expound a bit on Kickstarter. I found her project very well worthwhile. And again, it's one of those topics where I'm not trying to incite anyone. It is a, a topic on women, obviously, being one myself. But it's not meant to uh, say that these are the only problems that are out there in gaming, or that gender-specific, you know, towards women are the only issues that are worth talking about. I just feel, you know, as a, as a show, being a woman, that it's my sort of privilege to highlight some of those issues for people that might not know about it and to have women on as much as possible. doesn't mean that I hate men, <laughs> quite the opposite, in fact. And I'm always supportive of any of my male listeners. And if there's stuff going on that happens, you know, that's male specifically targeted, I like to try to highlight that too. So if you know that stuff, you can tell me I'm not like biased one direction or the other. Um, and always supportive and help and find helpful all the guys in my life who have been really excellent um, playing games with me and not making me feel like the ways that many of these women do. I feel very respected and very cared for and very, you know, just um, treated nicely by the men in my life and uh, treated equally. So anyway, just saying that, that out there because there have been people that have written me you know, wanting to debate the issue back and forth and kind of prove that, you know, it's not really an issue and, and some of this isn't, you know, necessarily fair or, or something like that. And it's not my intention to to make it into a us versus them thing. It's more of a, hey, this is a problem. It's been in the news. Let's talk about it. Um, being a woman, I feel like we should talk about it because it kind of doesn't get talked about as much as it should. So here we go. We're going to talk to Shannon, who is very neutral on the subject as well. And I think you should check out her Kickstarter and her film. I'm looking forward to um, when it comes out here. So here we go with Shannon. 
Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 100th episode in a weekly series called GTFO. <laughs> Here with me is producer, editor, filmmaker, Shannon Sun Higginson. Welcome to the show. Hi, Genesee. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on. Sure, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Our last episode was an interview with pixel artist and game designer Miguel Sternberg from Spooky Squid for They Bleed Pixels. And today is Friday, let's see, the June 3rd, not Friday, but I like to say it anyway. I wish it was Friday. It's only, you know, Monday. And we're going to talk, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Kickstarter and Shannon. So let's start with our first question. As usual, what is your news of the week? What's going on with you? Uh, well, I am excited to interview uh, Courtney Stanton this weekend. Uh, she is very outspoken about uh, the roles of women in gaming, and she does a lot of cool stuff integrating arts into games. And uh, I'm excited to go to Boston to talk to her a bit. Oh wow, you're gonna you're gonna go there in person and do like filming, or is it just vocal? Uh, no, I I'm gonna go up and uh, film her. Hopefully, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. So what is that like? You must have to travel quite a bit then if you're going to go in and grab you know, various people for this documentary. Yeah, what I try to do is um, get a lot of interviews in at once. So I'm actually planning a trip to San Francisco in late July where I'm hoping to snag a bunch of interviews at once. And then I did a trip to Los Angeles where um, I interviewed a few professional gamers and a few women who are... Uh, bloggers and uh, run women in gaming groups so I try to when, when I do travel I try to get more than one in at once so that I can make the most of it definitely that makes sense seems like West Coast is always kind of the area if you want to hit a lot of gamers at once have, have a lot of cons there and a lot of kind of congealed groups of gamers it seems like yeah, definitely. Um, I, there are a lot of uh, gaming events, obviously, all year round, but uh, there are a few that I'm hoping to hit, and I have to... Uh, yeah, it's tough. I have to time everything correctly, but luckily, there are, I've found that there are actually a lot of women in Boston. I'm, um, I'm based out of New York, and I thought that New York would be a big hub, but um, Boston seems like a much bigger spot for that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's been great uh, since, you know, the Kickstarter got funded. It's been really great that I don't have to pay out of pocket to do these trips. <laughs> yes, definitely so. Now, I was reading in the Kickstarter, it seemed that you had already done quite a bit of work before you even created that. Did you have um, people that you were speaking to and kind of filmed already before you began the Kickstarter process? Yeah, I had done a whole bunch of interviews. I mean, the, the movie sort of uh, snowballed pretty quickly. I just have a good friend who told me about just this issue of sexism and gaming I think that was February 2012, around February 2012. And uh, I actually had a friend who gave me a PAX East ticket so I could go to Boston and shoot. And there I interviewed uh, two women, the woman who runs Not in the Kitchen Anymore and the one who runs Fat, Ugly, or Slutty. And uh, I was able, able to uh, knock out two interviews there. And then it's just like people have been giving me contacts of other people. So I work a full-time job, but... I've been able to get a bunch of interviews, but you know, that's how I compiled the trailer. Nice. I wish I had known you were there. I would have loved to run into you and talk to you for a little bit. I was there as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> it would have been nice. Uh, I'm jumping ahead for our listeners, um, backing it up a little. Um, can you please describe your Kickstarter and kind of give people a background who probably might not know about it? 
Sure, of course. Um, so the Kickstarter is over now, but um, I'm basically trying to make money to complete funding for this project, uh, GTFO. Uh, I don't know if you have any... Um, I don't know if you're going to have to, like, bleep this out. No, but... I, you can swear it's 18 plus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Um, I, I'm sure your listeners are aware uh, tits or GTFO is a common saying. And uh, I was actually pretty shocked to find out that there's so much uh, sexism, particularly in online gaming, but, you know, there are in lots of aspects of the industry. And obviously it's not the minority. Uh, I have said many times that it's a very vocal minority um, who are sort of harassing these women. But I'm trying to explore, you know, the, the negative and sometimes the positive side of being a woman in the video game industry and what it means to be a gamer or a developer or a writer uh, and be a woman. So that's the gist of what the movie is about. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I try to have many women on the show, obviously being a woman myself, I have know experiences as well and so my listeners hopefully are used to me talking about this subject because I've had many a guest on so we're going to talk about it again and probably rehash some of the things I've already talked about but they are definitely worth rehashing especially recently there's been as usual you know incidents that keep occurring you know cosplay and consent various other things that kind of keep us in the news repeatedly It'd be wonderful to you know make it more public and and uh, hopefully end some of the the badness and we can stop focusing on the negative and, and move towards the positive. So excellent to have you on the show. And uh, let me start asking you questions. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so the, the Kickstarter is already funded, but I'm, I have questions for you basically on just Kickstarter itself because this, this whole platform kind of fascinates me. Sure. Now that you're funded, can people still donate to the project because there are certain things that are left? Like let's say you want to do $50 or more. There's, you know, like 71 of 100. Can you still donate even though it's considered closed? People can still donate to the project. They can pledge via PayPal at uh, gtfothemovie at gmail.com, gtfothemovie being all one word. And um, I kept donations open because I got a lot of, I received a lot of messages that were just sort of upset that they had missed the deadline. Yeah. Um, so I am keeping it open. Um, if anybody wants to do that, they just need to put, if they want, a prize in the, in the PayPal message. And what happens for something like, okay, $10 or more, let's say you want a digital download of the final project, and mm -hmm. they're, they're done, like, they're all gone, you can't, you can't have any more. Is that just kind of like a final thing where you, you have 25 or 300 backers and click, that's over, and now no one can get that anymore? Or is it something that people can still write and say, like, I really want to get this project when it's well, done? Well, the digital one is really the most flexible um, because, you know, that's not like a resource that I'm really losing money per download. Um, obviously, you know, DVDs and t-shirts I have to produce, and every time I do that, the money that, you know, could be spent going towards production is going towards rewards. Yes. So there are limits on certain things, but, um, you know, a lot of people who are getting DVDs or are paying, you know, have pledged higher amounts have asked for a digital copy as well. I, obviously, I understand that a lot of people are going to, you know, if they want to watch it, you know, on a plane, and they want to watch it, you know, on their iPad or their phone or whatever, they can do that. Um, so that's totally fine, but y yeah, I mean, the limit was more based on my own budgeting, and I, you know, I didn't want to spend too much of a um, proportion of my money on rewards. I wanted to spend it on making it a better movie. Yes, obviously, that's that's kind of the goal. Okay, well, you've had a lot of, you know, pretty illustrious filmography, actually, uh, looking through um, your IMDb credits, you know, about 
crew that you've been on, Anthony Bourdain, The Layover. Uh, so, so Anthony Bourdain, what did you do for that? Um, I'm actually, I still work for uh, that company, Zero Point Zero Production, um, mm-hmm. based out of New York City. And um, I'm a production coordinator, so I do just the office end of production things, uh, coordinating travel and planning visas, as you can imagine with that show, that is a wow. very, very busy job. Yes. But yeah, so I do have some field documentary style. I, I guess it's not really considered field, but I do have some documentary style um, experience in, yeah, working on that show. Sorry, that wasn't a very good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I just, I guess just fun researching and seeing, you know, the stuff you've already done. And so how, how did you decide then to, you know, focus on this? You spoke briefly about your friend kind of bringing it up as an issue. This is my uh, first feature film. And, uh, yeah, so my friend, Aaron Zachwitz, he actually has his own podcast called Laser Romance. So I thought I'd throw that out there. There you go. And um, he he knows that I'm very much interested in women's issues. And he sent me this article about uh, this woman who was in a uh, cross-assault tournament. Yes, yes, And yes. she was getting sexually harassed throughout the tournament, and it got to the point where she had to actually forfeit the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, obviously, there was, a, like, a lot of backlash. A lot of people were talking about it afterwards. And he sent me this article, and he was like, look at, how, look at this, like, crazy shit. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this is happening. And he basically told me that it was just the tip of the iceberg, that this one event was not, you know, in isolation. So the more I researched it, uh, the more I thought that, you know, I I went to a liberal arts college and I'm very much interested in feminism and um, social issues and uh, I'm not super on the pulse of things, but I'm fairly young and I feel like I, you know, I read a lot of internet, and so I would think that someone in my position would at least have heard of this, um, but just being not part of the hardcore gaming um, community, I had no idea this was happening, and I was pretty shocked that um, these sorts of things are going on, and this is, you know, a very touchy and huge issue in the video game industry. It had never crossed my mind, so I wanted people like myself to know uh, that this was happening. So this movie is more for, I hope that gamers watch it, obviously, but it's more just to open a dialogue and start talking about why this is happening and let other people know that this is a serious issue for a lot of women. I think that's what is is kind of one of the bright, uh, you know, spots that people really need to focus on in this is that, you know, you're not hardcore gamer you're not coming at this with any like preconceived ideas and you're not sort of in the scene necessarily you're looking at it from an outsider's point of view which hopefully gives you like a sort of objectivity where you can you know you don't have all of the the history of you know some of us that kind of have been in it for a while and I would be interested to see you know what you conclude after doing the whole thing and and you know I think that's that's an excellent like perspective that you have coming in that that'll make it extra interesting because there's been a lot of you know articles and some things you know recently from people inside the industry saying oh that you know this is this has happened and that's happened but there's always kind of a slant to it and obviously people have their own opinions and it, it's kind of neat to see somebody coming in you know probably from a neutral perspective and see what kind of um what you kind of discover yeah, I mean, I'm obviously trying to come at this at, at, from the most um, 
objective position possible. And it's interesting because a lot of people are saying, like, oh, like, she doesn't know because she's an outsider, um, which is just fascinating to me because I, I don't think that most documentary filmmakers are already part of the industry. <laughs> right, that's the point, isn't when it? When they make the movie? I mean, like, Ken Burns wasn't in the Civil War. I don't understand <laughs> why people just assume that because I'm making this movie that I have to be, like, a serious gamer. Um, so, you know, I, I try to be very sensitive about that because I do know that people sort of, it is, it, it can be a very um, elitist and um, sort of isolationist uh, community. And I just, you know, I want people to know that I am trying to get every angle. Whenever I interview women, I never, like, feed them answers. And I'm not going to try to, you know, edit it in a really, as you said, like, a really slanted way. I'm just trying to approach this and see, like, what different experiences women have. And I am including women who have had positive experiences because I want to show, like, I don't want this movie to discourage anybody from becoming part of the industry. I don't want this to be just like a scary doom and gloom movie. I want to show the other end, which is, you know, the women and men who are doing positive things. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to make this as fair and equal as possible. Excellent. Well, once you decided to make this film, what uh, drove you to to consider Kickstarter as a possible platform to get funded? And how did you go about, I guess, beginning that? Um, well, I really didn't, I mean, I have no experience with Kickstarter. Um, I suppose I just picked it because I had heard that a lot of movies are successful on that. And I feel like Kickstarter, not, you know, not to diminish the qualities of other crowdsourcing um, websites, but Kickstarter has um, a lot of standards that mm -hmm. you have to apply by, so I thought in a way that would give the movie a little bit more legitimacy because, you know, they have to be creative projects, they can't be fun my life projects. Um, so I just, I mean, that's the reason I picked Kickstarter, and yeah, I just posted it up and sent out tons and tons of emails and tried to get people to post the Kickstarter on their website. Excellent. Um, I wonder, hearing you say some of this stuff, you know, that Obviously, you know, other journalists and other people that have done documentaries aren't necessarily part of the scene that they're, that they're documenting, which is, is sort of the idea that they're, you know, trying to, to see something new. Um, one of the things that women get sometimes, you want to call it, uh, you know, flack for, or that sometimes there is commentary on is the expertise factor, which is definitely, I mean, something you may have encountered speaking to other people. It's interesting to me that I wonder sometimes if, if you're getting that because the industry is very circular and very small and very closed and everybody kind of knows everybody else, or if it's like, hey, guess what? You yourself are a woman doing a documentary, and if you're going to be subject to some of the similar, you know, um, whatever you want to call them, tropes that, you know, occur to other women in the industry, you know, like, would you get that same reaction from people if you were a man doing documentary on a gaming industry? Or are you getting that because there's always sort of that, oh, well, you know, you're a woman, you could possibly be an expert on, on that, or you must be an expert on gaming to, to really have legitimacy. Right, absolutely. Uh, I mean, going into this, I knew that this is a touchy subject. Um, I just think that making the movie is more important than any backlash that I could get. I, I've been very fortunate in that the vast majority 
of people who have messaged me or have posted um, on the uh, GTFO Facebook wall have been overwhelmingly positive. And uh, it's great to hear back from women who I want to interview, just like hearing their enthusiasm about the subject. Um, but I did know that going to this as a woman would be an additional obstacle <laughs> making the film. Um, I do feel like a man making the film would probably get a lot less backlash. And obviously there's, there's so many examples of women speaking out who just get horribly attacked. But um, I don't know. you got to sort of like ignore those people. And it's kind of funny because they're just like proving the point of this. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so like, I don't know if they realize how ironic it is. <laughs> Like, oh, like, you stupid woman, like, you don't know what you're doing. And it's like, oh, well, like, I could put you in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, do you think that, uh, like, well, can you give me a teaser or, or at all? I don't know, just like a brief description of maybe one or two stories that you would say kind of cover the spectrum of, you know, this is a positive thing, this is a negative thing. Like, what kind of things are you hearing from people when you're interviewing them? Um, well, I guess I'll start with the negative. <laughs> I'm going to head on a positive note. <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the stuff that women go through, it's pretty incredible that some of these women continue to do what they do. Um, obviously, I would say now probably the, the most famous example is Anita Sarkeesian. Mm -hmm. And um, I think her videos are great. I think the second, I think there are two out now. There are. I didn't get to see the second one. Yeah, the second one. It's actually quite disturbing, um, and this is something you know what she what she does is great for people who are part of the industry because it's about violence against women, and it is but shocking, honestly, um, the things that happen to female characters in games, and those are things that I wouldn't know because like I haven't played all those games. Um, so you know the backlash. You've probably talked about this on the podcast already, but the backlash she experienced from doing this project. And then when you watch the video, the video is really not saying anything that's too extreme. It doesn't seem to hold like an incredibly controversial viewpoint. She's just pointing out things saying, you know, I like these, a lot of these games, but you can criticize something and you can like it as well. And, um, these are like the tropes that I'm seeing and she's just breaking it down in a very, you know, easy to understand way. Uh, and yet she, you know, obviously has received so many right. comments and well, stuff. Well, just breaking up things into Bechtel test. I mean, it's pretty like, you know, non-controversial. You're just saying this falls into this category or that doesn't. And, you know, it is very like factual in some ways, obviously her opinion, but. Yeah, but it just doesn't seem terribly, it just doesn't seem terribly one-sided to me. It just seems like she is noticing things and talking about things that she's noticed, which is like, you know, should not really horrify or offend anybody. Um, and I guess it does for some reason. Um, so, you know, a lot of the women that I've interviewed have pointed at that as an example of the things that can happen to a woman who speaks out about this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I guess, a good example of the negative end. Um, something that, you know, there are a lot of uh, great conferences that I've been to. Um, I went to the Different Games Conference uh, that was held at NYU recently, and there were a lot of great talkers there. Uh, Lee Alexander, Maddie Bryce, Celia Pierce, I interviewed all of them, and they had wonderful things to say about uh, what it means to be a woman in the industry. Um, I did a, a, sh a shadow day, and I filmed a day um, at 
this company, Giant Space Cat, in Boston. Oh, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a small video game company, and they... Yeah, I'm going to have them on soon. That's What's cool. that? I'm going to have them on soon. They're really cool. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I tell them I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, yeah, and they're just great. They're just these positive women, and it's a very small company, but they had um, a you know, a high school girl who wanted to get into game design, shadow them for the day. So just to have them talk to her and see how enthusiastic she was about the gaming industry, it's really great to see that, you know, the next generation thinks it's a lot more normal, I think, um, for a girl to be part of mm-hmm. the gaming industry. So I think that's really cool. So, there, you know, there, there are positive ends and there are negative ends, but I am going to try to be fair and talk about both and sort of point women in the right direction. One of the questions that I ask women is, what would you recommend for a young girl who is, you know, sort of intimidated by this industry? And uh, I think I've gotten a lot of great answers from women about that. Do you think that the the constant media attention, you know, this, this being included and the fact that people are becoming more aware of the issue is going to encourage, you know, it to disappear in itself? Because you have said it's like a vocal minority. You know, there are a lot of excellent men out there who are just appalled by the scenario. And as it becomes, you know, more obvious and people speak up and say, hey, this is happening. Do you think that people are going to shut this down and it will become more of like a neutral place for younger women to come? Well, I... I think it's getting better, but I think it's going to take a long time. Uh, I mean, we haven't gotten rid of racism in this country, so I think it'll be quite some time until there's no sexism in video games. Um, But I, I do see positive steps that people are taking, and, you know, one of the things that I'm going to highlight in the film is that it's important to speak out even if you're not the woman who's getting harassed. Like, even if you're a man who is in the same environment, if you're a man who is friends with somebody who's doing that, um, you know, just think about what if that was your mother, your sister, or your wife, like you you wouldn't want somebody to be talking to them in that way. So I, one of the goals of the movie is to make it, you know, less socially acceptable for guys to do this to, to women and, um, you know, to encourage people to speak out when they see something that, you know, is is wrong or is disturbing. So, um, I don't know, I guess that would, for me, if I could get one guy to speak out after watching this movie, I would consider that a victory. That's a good, good point. Like, do you have goals for this? I mean, you're, you're pretty much neutral and you're drawing conclusions, I guess, based on what people are saying. What, what do you hope to see, you know, after this comes out? What is the goal for you? Um, well, obviously a lot of people, you know, all the big uh, gaming blogs are talking about this a lot. Um, but I just want people who are not necessarily gamers or game writers or uh, developers to know that this is happening. I think that, you know, if people see this who are not part of the industry, that, that could make a bigger difference. Cause if you're just in a bubble, talking about an issue in a bubble, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to get anywhere. Not to say that people aren't getting anywhere. I think they are, but I just want it. It's more an, an awareness campaign, if anything. If mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the other part is just to make it like less socially acceptable to do these sorts of things. Because I know it's like very normalized and it's totally part of the culture. And, I, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about is, you know, the use of the word rape. And I think a lot of men probably 
either they know and they don't care or they don't know that like how much more loaded it is to say that to a woman not that people should be saying it to men obviously mm-hmm. but um just the sort of that that sort of you know culture of intimidation um I just would like people to be a little more aware that maybe they are doing it or maybe their friends are doing it. One of the things I've spoken about before, you know, that I feel is a contributing factor is the fact that many of the games that we play are based on, you know, really physically strong characters. They're written by guys that are idealizing a certain body type, a certain, you know, attitude. Um, you're looking at, you know, Counter-Strike, you're looking at Halo, you're looking at, like, these are war games, essentially. Uh, a lot of first-person shooters, a lot of things that are, like, the more popular games that sell better uh, kind of feature the iconic male, you know, you'd say. And I've seen a trend recently in the last year or two where you've seen a lot more female characters emerge and they're not all just, you know, hee hee hee. They're actually like strong, you know, characteristic females. And and the more developers I talk to, the more they they are beginning to say, oh, you know, I really enjoy, you know, making female characters and they're interesting and different. And, you know, I don't think my story would be quite the same if I had made it, you know, with a man because she's so much, I can do so many more things with her. And just kind of looking at things differently, I feel like there's a perspective change, you know, happening in the industry. Do you think when that happens, you know, in the next five years or so, and the culmination of that happens, that people will stop, you know, maybe looking at uh, having these things happen just based on the fact that the games they're playing themselves are so very, you know, like, I don't know, they kind of bring out the 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 strength male, you know, murmur, murmur thing that, that might be less of a nice environment for a woman to feel comfortable in where a man feels like he needs to be, you know, more aggressive and more militaristic and more like, you know, just GTFO literally. I I think that in a lot of ways, the sort of, um, the typical game as a lot of people see it of, you know, a man holding a gun and shooting people and possibly saving a woman, um, is sort of a result of having a bit of a homogenous group as the writers and developers. And I think that as more women become part of the industry, you know, in the same way that it is a cycle for, you know, men write video games for men, they assume their audiences are, Mm -hmm. they they assume the audience is is made up of men. And they write male characters, the men play the male characters, and then the men, you know what I mean? It just keeps going on and on. But in the same way, you could be like, oh, well, once you have a more diverse group writing the games, you can, you know, that'll help, like, have more female characters. You know, like, I mean, this is such a typical, like, non-gamer game. Well, that's not fair. I think uh, Portal is a game that is accessible to a lot of people who aren't gamers. Mm. and I played it and I just love, you know, spatial reasoning and puzzles and all that. And I thought that was just like a fantastic game. And I, I did love that it was a female character. Mattel, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would have not played her or I, I would have not played it if it wasn't a woman. But I, to me, like that was just like a little added bonus. And I think a lot of guys, um, I mean, so honestly, some of the guys that I've spoken to have been like, well, it is hard for a white male to write, you know, a, female character, like a white straight male, let's say, to write a gay character or to write um, a person of color character. And that that's a bit of a challenge because you don't want to, you know, push any wrong buttons. You don't want to stereotype. And just to come from that perspective, I can see why they would maybe not want to write those characters as much, not because they have anything against women at all, but just because they 
don't want to, you know, write something inaccurate, like in the same way that it's hard probably for women to write from a male's perspective. So I think, you know, to me, the biggest part of that is just having more women who are writing. And there are obviously many fabulous women out there who are doing that right now. But just the more that we can encourage to do that, I think the, the better the games will be. And honestly, like in any group, it's better when the creators are diverse because you can have games that don't have anything to do with guns and shooting. And I think that is a great direction that games can be taking right now. Once women start to speak up too, and hopefully this, you know, this project will encourage that. I mean, right now I think we stand at like 51% of gamers are women. So it's not as though it's just a few of us. I mean, there are many, many women who game. They just really aren't very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, the more things like this come out, you know, people will be comfortable enough to be aware of that at least and understand that they're really standing in a room full of people that are listening and, you know, they better watch kind of what they say, make sure they're they're not, you know, alienating their their audience base or their consumer base or, you know, alienating possible friends, you know, if they're in a chat room or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is, you know, we talked about this before, but Personally, like, I feel like I don't even know how to categorize myself. I do play, like, I get very obsessive about casual games, and I've played, like, a few console games. You know, I had a, a Game Boy, like, as a little kid, so I never really thought too much about the label gamer. Um, but it is sort of strangely loaded, and I spoke to this woman um, at Columbia University, Jessica Hammer, who has a lot of really great things to say about the role of women in games, and she said that, um, in her classes, the first day of class, you know, the percentage of, and, and she teaches game design classes, and the percentage of women to men is like, you know, pretty close to 50-50, and if she starts the class asking how many of you play games, all of the men will raise their hands, and like maybe one woman or two will raise their hands, and then she has to just convince these people who are there to design games. Design. Jeez play games in the first place like they don't even realize that they play games it's not or or they feel like if they say that then they're suddenly going to be like judged or like critiqued much more harshly um you know to in order to have any legitimacy whereas i feel like men are a lot more comfortable saying like oh yeah i'm a gamer and like that's fine i do think that happens though that's one of the reasons that people don't like say that, that they play because there's definitely a geek check on that you know like okay, well, you're a gamer. Well, then have you played this? What was the ending of this? What's your score in this? You know, there is like that check that I feel like, you know, happens for some reason. I don't know why more to women than it does men. And just because there's probably less and it's sort of a, you know, I don't really believe that you play. So now you must prove it to me by like citing all your stats. Yeah, I think that a lot, a lot of women get that. And I think part of that too is this like, sort of suspicion of outsiders, like, oh, well, if you're a woman, there's no way you could be a gamer, right? Like, that's impossible. Um, and they assume they're just... I don't really know what they assume. It seems like uh, something that a lot of women uh, that I've interviewed have mentioned is that men think that they're just trying to get male attention by being a woman or by pretending to be a gamer. And... I'm trying to explore this a little bit without putting too much blame on like any one group, but that's a phenomenon that's very interesting to me because I don't see, I, I mean, it would be, it, it's confusing to me why a woman would like go out of her way to pretend to be a gamer and put herself out there in this environment that like could potentially be hostile towards her. Like mm -hmm. why going out of her way 
to pretend to do that in order to like snag herself a gamer husband. I don't know. Like what exactly the thought process is uh, uh, the thought process is there. I think that happens in other categories besides just gaming. I mean, I think that it's a definite problem in cosplay where people, you know, will say, you know, oh, well, you're just a booth babe. You don't really know about that cosplay. You're not really, you know, invested in the character. You know, you're not really a geek because you don't know, like, this entire comic series of, you know, all the way back to edition one. You know, there's that that kind of crosses over in many geek areas, but it definitely is true, I think, for what it came into. Yeah, I do think it, I, I definitely agree. It's, you know, a huge part of like nerd culture. Like, yeah, the, well, I guess people have been saying like booth babes or like game for pay. Obviously. I just love that term. It's ridiculous. But, um, um, but I don't know. Uh, to me, that just sort of indicates a bigger problem of the over sexualization of women rather than, I don't think it's fair to just like blame a woman who is a model who got paid to stand next to a booth for like all the problems in the industry. <laughs> um, like if she wants to do that and if that's her job, then like, you know, it's a problem in the sense that it may, may make other women feel uncomfortable that there's someone in a bikini there. But um, I don't know if there are women who are in football uniforms, like, trying to promote the NFL, I don't think anybody's looking at them being like, oh, you're not a real football player. So, I don't know. It's a it's a complicated issue, obviously. Yeah. What I'm hoping to explore more in the film. Good. Okay. Um, so, I think we're getting to the point where we're thinking about closing. Do you have anything you want to you know, share about the project that people can support? Or, you know, do you have a possible uh, date of release when this might come out? Um, my estimated date of release is March 2014, um, but, you know, anybody who follows us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, who pledged to the project can follow all our updates in case we have any delays, and, I, you know, I try to keep people abreast of, like, what is happening, what shoots I'm doing and stuff. Um, so you should follow me on Twitter and Facebook, and... Um, yeah, you could scope it out on Kickstarter as well. And if anybody wants to donate, they can still do so via PayPal, GTFO the movie at gmail.com. And your Twitter handle is at Jade Sun for those who are looking. Is that where oh, you want them to follow you? Uh, actually, it's uh, GTFO the movie. Ah, okay. And it's my personal Twitter. It's a personal Twitter. GTFO the movie, one word, is uh, my Twitter handle. And Facebook, I think, is just GTFO movie. Facebook.com slash GTFO movie. A big thank you to Shannon. You can find on GTFO the movie on Twitter. And hopefully you will do so and uh, check out the Kickstarter. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. And I encourage you to go there. If you're looking for the HTL podcast, you can find it by looking at my name, Genesee Gray. Uh, or you can go through the Gray Area Podcast and clicks on author which is genesee gray as well or you can do a search for htl there are a couple htls um just different videos that are up there for other projects mine looks like a silver metallic logo and you'll know that when you see it obviously the author is a clue as well and i hope you'll listen to it it was originally started by dark one who was the original host and i picked it up believe around episode 15 or so but you'll notice it will say on it when i've actually assumed the show 
So some of the earlier ones do not have me in it, but the later ones, the last three or four do, and I encourage you to listen to it. I think it's a very good show. I think it's entertaining. I think it gives you a lot of different guests and some different perspectives on some general gaming stuff. So hopefully you will pick that up too and, uh, and follow that on Twitter. Uh, actually, you would follow it on iTunes, and if you want to follow it on Twitter, you can pretty much just follow Gray Area Podcast, where I retweet all of that stuff. So hopefully you'll do that and support all three of the shows. So I'm just all over the place. You can find me everywhere. So until next time, listeners, uh, I will talk to you later. This podcast is a part of the Signals Media All-Star Network. For more information on this and other fine shows, go to SignalsMedia.com. It's okay to stick our stuff in your ears. Really?